18th episode of Decoding Fox News, and I am your host, Julia Jeske. Each week, I watch and analyze 15 hours of Fox News and then break it down. I watch all the Fox News you'd never want to. This project is made possible by the Tao Knight Center for News Integrity at the Craig Newmark Graduate School of Journalism at CUNY. For those folks outside of New York, CUNY stands for City University of New York. I am a graduate of that program, not a student, and if you don't know me, I have a long history covering and researching the far right, specifically a hate group known as the Proud Boys, which is a whole other story, which we won't get to today because, boy, do we have a week. This is a week. I always say we. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about me and my cats. That's who I'm talking about. But anyway, there's two cats. If you don't know them, they're Thor and Odin, the mascots for the podcast are technically kittens. Okay. So on to the headline to get things started. We have eight clips. That's how intense last week was. Here we go. Fox News, gun violence, and the gaslighting of America. A typical Fox News viewer last week might think any mention of gun control is a craven attempt by Democrats to politicize a mass shooting. They would probably also think the solution to mass shootings is to turn schools and most public buildings into mini fortresses complete with armed guards, metal detectors, sealed doors, and windows, despite fire code considerations. What they wouldn't know is that mass shootings really only happen in the United States. That part of the puzzle wasn't discussed once on Fox News in the 15 hours I analyzed. So this is the most clips I've ever had for a podcast. This podcast might go a little bit long. I'm not sure how I'm going to do this, but this was such an intense week. I felt the need to include all these clips because I thought it was very important to get the story across. Basically, if you don't know the term gaslighting, it's a, it's a term used for a type of psychological abuse where an abuser just denies reality and will say, uh, a falsehood over and over and over again, despite evidence, despite um, clear indications that they're lying. They will just double down. And it's a way to make the other person feel crazy. And I would say unequivocally that Fox News gaslights not just its audience, but America when it comes to gun control, because they just refuse to face reality. They just create this false narrative and double down. So the week started normally enough. And then on Tuesday at 5 p.m., at the very beginning of the broadcast of the five, the, the broadcast was pretty much live coverage from the massacre that had just happened in Uvalde, Texas, at the Robb Elementary School, the mass shooting. And the cast of the five sat around the table, slack-jawed, shocked, and didn't really say much of anything other than give condolences to the fallen. Even I will give them credit when they do something right. And uh, Judge Janine Pirro and Greg Gutfeld, probably two of the bigger personalities on the show, both showed restraint and just were shocked and disgusted and mortified about what had happened. There was one holdout, and this was a guest host, Kellyanne Conway, formerly of the Trump administration. Instead of showing some restraint instead of showing some decency. She gave very lofty speeches about how the Democrats would politicize this tragedy to push for various forms of gun control and how dare they and shame on them. 
And then she did exactly that. In the first clip that I'm not going to play for you, Kellyanne made a comment about um, how we were sending $40 billion to Ukraine and how that money should have been spent on schools. You're definitely getting political when you're bringing up something completely unrelated, Miss Conway, and then trawing it back to this mass shooting. There's no way you're not getting political. And then her second comment I'm going to play for you is about President Joe Biden, which again was incredibly political. So she's doing exactly what she's telling others not to do. <laughs> well, there's an old man who's speaking tonight. His name is President Joe Biden. And he needs to match this moment because so far in his presidency, he has not. This country does not trust him. They think he has divided us. He, they think he's distracted and incompetent. This is his moment to not politicize it, to try to show some comfort and healing. And it remains to be seen if he's capable of that. So I want to ask Kelly Ann Conway the obvious. As she made that dig about President Joe Biden, how does her comment add comfort and support to the families of Uvalde, Texas? It doesn't. So I'm not sure why she thinks her remark about President Joe Biden is not politicizing this tragedy. But yet when someone else brings up the obvious, which is gun control or a limit to assault weapons or background checks, they're somehow horrible for manipulating this tragedy for their own political gain. When I don't think they have a political gain, I think they are legitimately concerned that we have more guns than people in this country. And that mass shootings like what happened in Uvalde only seem to happen in the United States and nowhere else. That is something that was not mentioned on Fox once in 15 hours. Not once did anyone mention that this is a uniquely American phenomena. The usual excuses were brought up of broken homes, lack of parental guidance, video games, mental health issues, social media, lack of security at, social, at school buildings, and a decline of religious worship. But never once did anyone say, you know what, this doesn't happen anywhere else. And in Europe and Canada and Australia and New Zealand, very, very similar cultures, they have broken homes. They have lack of parental guidance, they have mental health issues, video games, social media. Yet, people aren't shooting up schools. And in fact, if you look at the data, Americans are more church, uh, God-fearing and attend church more than Europeans, more than Canadians, and more than people in other parts of the world. So again, why is it happening here? It couldn't be for the insane amount of guns. No, no, never. That cannot be. So just lie and, and scream at us and berate us for even questioning your false reality. The next clip is similar. This is from Laura Ingram, and it's along the same lines of, I don't talk about politics, but I'm going to go right ahead and talk about politics. And this was from Beto O'Rourke, you know, that, you know, the guy who was so focused on taking everyone's AR-15 watch. Pass the mic to Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Excuse me, who's after Santa Fe High School? So sit down. You're out, you're you're out of line and an embarrassment. Hey. after El Paso. Sit down. And don't play this stuff. The next shooting hey. is right now, and you're doing nothing. No, we're offering please you get the out of here. This is not predictable. This is totally predictable. Sir, you are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. Please exit. Get out of here. Please. I can't believe you're a sick son of a we come to a deal like this to make a political issue. That gentleman calling Beto out is Uvalde Mayor Don McLaughlin, who had, 
I think, one of the toughest days of any mayor in the nation ever yesterday. And I think we can all understand his anger and, of course, can translate the bleeps. Joining me now is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who was grabbing the mic to speak when Mr. O'Rourke had this outburst. Dan, um, first of all, uh, you know, our, our deep, deepest prayers and condolences to Thank everyone you. in Texas and the people of uh, Uvalde who are suffering so greatly tonight. We have to say that before we say anything else. What happened today? at that press conference so Laura, <coughs> was so, so Laura, despicable. Down, but from your perspective, yeah. tell us what happened. Yeah. So when I sat down, uh, I noticed that we were in the large auditorium in the high school. I noticed that Beto was in the second row on the end seat. And I literally could see him leaning forward, almost like he was getting to pounce. And so I, but I didn't imagine I could see maybe he was going to stand up and ask a question at some point or make a statement, but I could never imagine that on this day when we were there to not only disseminate information and learn more, but we're there to be with these families, that he would pull such a political stunt. Okay, I do not believe a word of that. You, you saw a high-ranking, high-profile Democrat politician from Texas who's currently running for office in an auditorium stand up and you were shocked that he'd bring up gun control you were shocked that he would say why don't you do something really I don't buy that I don't buy your feigned outrage I don't buy this ridiculous like oh how dare you how dare you not talk about guns how dare you act like this is perfectly normal behavior when it doesn't happen anywhere else on the planet how dare you I, we are so angry. We are, the majority of Americans support gun control. The majority of Americans support some form of background check, some limitation to assault weapons, yet we are being bullied by a minority because of how the Senate is set up with these states that have hardly anyone in them having two senators and they are forcing this crap down our throats and they have been doing it for years and we are fed up. I didn't think I was going to get this worked up on the podcast tonight, but I'm getting this worked up because it just, just hearing these clips again, is just making me so angry. And the next clip, now this is something that only a nerd would get worked up about. I openly admit, I'm going to make fun of myself here. I have written about gender disparities with a uh, violent crime before. So I immediately knew that this was such a pathetic attempt to make something out of this tragedy, to, to try to form an excuse to pull themselves out. Oh, we've got this now. And this is the topic of young men. Now, anyone who studies crime could tell you within two seconds the number one problem, the number one perpetrator of violent crime in the United States, all over the world, in fact, are young men. Young men and teenagers commit the vast majority of violent crime. This is regardless of culture. This is regardless of country, of ethnicity. It's the number one thing. And I'm going to quote Encyclopedia.com and their article for gender and crime. Gender is the single best predictor of criminal behavior. Men commit more crime and women commit less. This distinction holds throughout history for all societies, for all groups, and for nearly every crime category. 
The universality of this fact is really quite remarkable, even though many tend to take it for granted. This is 100% true, and you will never find data anywhere that supports the idea that somehow crime is, is equally balanced among the genders. It just simply is not. Now, I wanted to, I made this uh, montage myself, and because I, I wanted to show a frequent pattern on Fox News, where this is the same day, this is from Fox and Friends, The Five, and then Laura Ingram, how each Fox personality seemingly comes up with this spontaneously on their own, as if they just thought of this on their own and they're putting it out there in the universe. I don't think they did. I think they were nudged a bit by the brass at Fox News. I don't have proof of that, of course. It's just I keep seeing the same exact pattern over and over. And I'll explain after the clip why I think they pivoted off of this topic. Something is plaguing young men in this country. Carly so Schenk, true. Par so Carly Schimke has pointed this out on Fox Friends first. These are almost always men. They're almost always young men. I'm talking about the perpetrators. They are often teenage young men. There is something we are failing young men with. I don't know. It's deep. It's cultural. It's a rot. But it is so. Mm -hmm. It's beyond worthy. It is imperative that we figure out what we have done that we have lost young men many young men in this country and i don't believe we will find solutions real complete solutions and i think we all are always looking for one variable to explain things for some it's racism others it's lawlessness or gun control but i was looking at the last four mass shootings and it's hispanic male white male black male asian male all males obvious but the one trait that doesn't matter is obviously race. But there was one strand beyond maleness, and that is mental illness. And a few years ago, a study of mass shooters found that 98% of them were male. The average age, 34. Laura Ingram talked about this much more at length, but the reason why I reduced her clip to simply the gender situation is she was using specific examples of mass shooters. And I think that's one of the biggest problems with this phenomena is when people like Dylan Roof become household names, when we can rattle off the names of these mass shooters and immediately see their faces, it's fueling future mass shooters. The one in Buffalo, I will not name any of them. I refuse to name any of them. The one in Buffalo openly admitted in his crazed manifesto that he had studied the methods of previous mass shooters. So when we focus, when we put the media focus on these young men and, and we turn them into anti-heroes and for people who are mentally unbalanced, people who are emotionally disturbed, they see that and they go, I want to be that. I want people talking about me. I want people dissecting my life and feeling sorry for me and feeling sorry for the fact that I was bullied or picked on or marginalized or neglected by my evil mother or evil father or whatever. That's what they're thinking. So we have to stop focusing on this. And on uh, Friday, Jason Chaffetz was subbing for Laura Ingram, and he included a five and a half minute long segment where an independent journalist named Allie something, I have her name in the newsletter, I don't really care, I don't want to personally attack this woman, but she you know, went to the, the home where the shooter had lived interviewed the grandfather. You could see the inside of this, you know, sad, decre decrepit home. She's, you know, talking about the kid's background and all this stuff. And I just thought, what are you doing? 
We don't need to know more about the shooter. This isn't the first mass shooting. This is like the, I can't even count how many we've had. They're all the same profile. It's a withdrawn, socially awkward, emotionally disturbed young man who's angry at the world and wants to take revenge on it. We've been down this road before. We do not need to know details about this person's life. If the cops want to know, great, but the media should not be focusing on that. I know I can't control the media, but I say just enough. And to its credit, PBS did a beautiful segment on the victims of this horrible tragedy. And they included details of every single person who was killed. They showed images. They spoke to relatives, friends. It was beautifully done. And they did not include a segment about the killer. Fox News should know better, but they don't care. They just think, oh, we've got this great segment. And I think it was intentional that they used an independent journalist. That way their hands are clean. They just purchased it from her. They didn't produce it themselves. It was given to them. I'm so done. I'm so sick of this. Oh, I'm sorry I'm getting so worked up. But yes, young men commit the most violent crime across the board. You're not discovering anything when you say something that obvious. It's actually kind of, you look laughable. To anyone who knows anything about criminology, you look laughable. When you're like, oh my gosh, like, the shooter was male. And the other shooter was male. And the other shooter was male. 90% of murderers in the United States are male. 77% of murder victims are male. Most violence in our communities is men against men, usually young men. And there's reasons for it that can go on and on. I included a link at the bottom of the source source list that is about a neurobiologist who I'm obsessed with named Robert Saplowski. And he's written a number of books. And guess what? That same pattern of violence and aggression in young males also occurs in our closest relatives, primates. He studied baboons and they do the exact same patterns. Young male baboons are crazy and they kill each other and they beat each other up. And it's over the same reasons humans do this sort of craziness. So it's part nature, part nurture, but it's definitely a problem that's ingrained into our species. We definitely need to, to face it. But just saying, oh, males are committing this violence is so stupid. You just come across as someone who doesn't know anything about crime when you say something that obvious. Ah, I'm losing my mind. So I'm going to give you another clip. This is Greg Gutfeld of The Usual. And this is just one of many, I had too many to pick from this week, of the typical excuses that Fox News uses for this type of violence. That I said yesterday is we only get to the scene of the story after it happens. And we should address every variable, every step that gets you to that crime, whether it is mental illness, schools, family, red flags. The fact that he said that this is a new thing in a decade and a half, that kind of points you in the direction of where the answers are. Why are these things happening more and more in this kind of society? Is it something that has to do with not simply the availability of guns, because they have been available, it's social media, uh, it's a, a decline in education, it's a breakdown of the family. But these are a lot of things that we don't want to talk about because... We've avoided these problems for so long. We've avoided these problems for 50 years. I think you could say, you know, the governor is livid and you could say, well, maybe the police were incompetent or they were they were afraid or they were adherent to a doctrine that prevented improvising. But that is not my place. That's his place. And that is the place for the investigators to let them investigate fully to tell the story, which is necessary. You need the scrutiny 
because there's going to be a next time. And the information you glean from this time will help you in the next time. That's why it's important. And again, never, no one at any moment says, why does this only happen in the United States? Why? Why does this only happen in the United States? All of the reasons you just listed, Gutfeld, are the same in Europe, are the same in Canada, are the same in Australia, New Zealand. Why does this only happen in the United States? There might be an occasional school, school shooting. It's like once in a blue moon in other parts of the world. But we have them constantly here. And you notice they pivot off of the whole young troubled men narrative when they figured out that the cops in Uvalde were horribly incompetent. And then all of Fox, like as if a switch went off, was directed, they directed all of their energy, all of their vitriol towards the cops in Uvalde, which I totally get, because I think most Americans are furious with what happened and the law enforcement response to this tragedy. And I want to circle back to the crisis of young men in this country. We definitely have problems. It's not like it's easy to be a young male in the United States. It's not easy to be a young woman or young you know, girl in the United States either. But it's not that they don't have unique problems. The problem is, is there's a whole group called the Men's Rights Advocates, MRA, who push a completely absurd narrative that somehow feminism is to blame for all of this. And you know, poor white men and poor young men and they should be our focus. They're the biggest victims. They're the true victims. So there's kind of a sinister undercurrent to decrying the plight of young men. That It's a fine line. I don't think that young men have it easy. I don't think that an 18-year-old in Nebraska who might, not be, who might be frustrated with several parts of his life doesn't have crises, doesn't have problems with his parents, doesn't have problems with making choices for his life. I understand that. But to just say, oh, it's, it's young men, when, again, they commit the most violent crime in the society across every culture, it's, it's just not that simple. The problem is, is there's troubled young men all over this world, and they don't have easy access to semi-automatic weapons. That's the difference. And they don't have a culture that worships and celebrates guns, and they don't have a culture that slaps the face of a mass killer up on the evening news and shows it for weeks on end, going into every single facet of that person's life. That's uniquely American, and that's part of the problem. It's we we almost make these guys into antiheroes. We focus way too much on them. It's way too easy to get a gun. Way too easy to get a gun. We worship guns. We seem to have this obsession with firearms. And then we're shocked when this continues to happen. It's absolutely, it, this is literally gaslighting. They are just making up reality. This next clip is uh, former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, with an absolutely crazy idea that again, uh, no one says, hey, wait a second, they don't have to do that anywhere else on the planet. But I guess, you know, USA, we gotta have our... We got to have our AR-15. So here you go. I'll just play it. It speaks for itself. Now, if you want to protect schools, and here I agree totally with Sean Hannity and others, uh, do what Texas has begun to do and which this school did not do, and that is pay teachers to become guardians, train them, make sure that they're armed, uh, make sure that somebody who walks into that school with a rifle, frankly, if I can be blunt, gets killed. Uh, there ought to be an automatic system that says, if you're out here to kill our children, you're not going to make it, and we're going to kill you first. 
And that means every school in the country ought to have five or 10 people paid $500 a month or more extra. That would be a rational federal program to pay every teacher who's willing to be trained and armed to protect yeah. the children, teachers and administrators. But we don't have that kind of conversation. We're all stuck up in some high political baloney led by President uh, Joe Biden, who I think yesterday made a total disgrace out of what should have been a serious national speech. And so I'm, I'm very happy to have a debate about what would it really take to fix these things. But there aren't many people in politics who want to get involved no. in that level of change. So he's basically saying we need to arm teachers. As if being a teacher in Texas wouldn't already be hard enough. Now, there's so many scenarios on that one, like a student grabbing a gun from a teacher, a student stealing a gun from a locked desk, a, a mass shooter entering a classroom and the teacher can't get to their gun because it's locked up. Because, of course, you would lock a gun up, you're around little kids. I, are you kidding me? So you want to take teachers who aren't necessarily trained in guns and here, have a gun and just be ready for the next mass shooter. We'll shoot him. And then this teacher has to like take the life of a stranger that, like, let's take this scenario. A mentally disturbed kid shows up with a fake gun, isn't actually armed, doesn't actually hurt anybody, and a teacher blows his head off. Wow, yippee, that's great. You know, like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> I mean, the chances of a kid getting that gun in a school are pretty great, I think. And then you've got a kid now in the, in the school with a teacher's gun shooting people. Uh, it's, this is insane. Their answer is always to add more guns. This is absolute madness. And we're just supposed to take it and go, oh, you know, you know, that's why, you know, just, it's just normal. We have, you know, we have armed guards at the bank. We got to have them at the school too. It's just completely, this is completely insane. We have lost our freaking minds. I'm going to put the next one. This is a brief exchange between Kellyanne Conway and Laura Ingram that pretty much sums up their solution to this horrible problem besides, you know, arming teachers. And they were also obsessed with doors and and one door and seal all the exits in one door, which is a fire hazard. But whatever. There's a lot of door talk. A lot of door talk. Let's just blame the building. So here's the, the, the next clip. So this talk in Washington, it, it does happen. It goes back and forth. I think that people, look, not, nothing really came out of the post-Parkland era on any of this and people just oh, kind of move on. That that's what they do. Well, I'm not sure that means nothing's going to happen. I mean, I didn't McConnell, say it had to happen know, or not happen. Yeah. There are a yeah. lot of well, promises saying, at the beginning. A lot of folks, frankly, right. a lot of folks in the White House tweeting who weren't in authority to tweet either, by the way, um, you know, people are very right. reactive. But look, I, I think look, here's the other thing, Laura, you get everybody just yelling at the rest of us for God forbid we express prayers and sympathy, thoughts and prayers, talking about mental health. See, if you notice in that clip, neither one of them have any type of solution. And one one of them basically says the quiet part out loud. She basically gets scolded by the other. Um, a clip that I didn't want to include because I'd have to put it on YouTube and there really wasn't much to it uh, is the following. I'm just going to quote Laura Ingram directly. This is what she said. She looked right into the camera and she said this. And now Democrats have the House. They have the Senate. And they have the presidency. So at this point, put up or shut up and let the political and legal chips fall where they may. Now, Miss Ingram knows that bills have passed the House and they are just sitting there. 
And the reason why we can't get anything passed is because of this thing called the U.S. Senate and a filibuster, which requires 60 votes, not 51, 60 votes. And because of Senator Manchin from West Virginia and Senator Sinema from Arizona, who both vowed to uphold the filibuster as if it's some great thing, it's not, it's not even, it's, it's relatively new, but because they want to uphold this filibuster, we will not have any hope of getting anything passed in the Senate until the voters of these states that have tiny populations finally just say enough and get their senator to change course. This is where we're stuck, and Laura Ingram knows that, and that's why she could just haughtily say, well, it's up to you, Democrats. You have the House. You have the Senate. You have the presidency. Get it done. She knows we can't. So that's why this is so incredibly maddening. Now, the next clip I'm going to play is not about gun control. I just threw it in there because I thought it was funny. It may not be funny to other people. I don't know. I find this funny. It's Brian Kilmeade saying something really stupid on Fox and Friends. And it's about the commodities market. And I'm just going to play it for you. Operation Warp Speed for oil and gas would be you guarantee a $60 a barrel uh, of oil. Then that would allow investment to go back into oil and gas. And then you'd say, I at least have a two-year commitment in these oil and gas companies to get the prices down so we don't have to depend on Venezuela and Iran, which you just watched. They're going to announce the Iranian deal, and then the Iran oil goes back on the market. Okay, nothing he said there about the price of oil makes any sense. <laughs> now, anybody who knows how the commodities market works, it's kind of like um, you bid, sort of. And the United States is one of many major players. The United States actually is a huge producer, one of the major producers of oil and gas. We just consume a lot of it, but we actually produce a huge amount of oil and gas. So this idea that we should just drill our way out of this is a little a bit of a misnomer. It doesn't really make sense. Secondly, we can't just say this is the price of oil because we have to compete against China and India and European Union and, and Russia. So Russia is the second major producer of oil. And because of this war in Ukraine, that's going to screw up the price of oil for some time. Like it's just going to because Russia's in chaos and you know, a lot of countries won't buy Russian oil anymore. We won't buy Russian oil anymore. Um, it's just, there's Nigeria, there's Saudi Arabia, there's, um, all of the OPEC countries, including Saudi Arabia, there's Venezuela, there's the United States, there's Canada, there's Scotland, there's Norway, there's a lot of oil producers and everybody bids on these prices of oil and it gets even more complicated because certain specific co companies buy very specific types of oil. It's not just crude oil. It gets super complicated, but there's no way to just say, we're going to say make it 60 bucks a gallon. Let's get your 60 bucks a barrel. No, that's not how the, the commodities market works. It's never worked that way. It will never work that way. You're out of your mind. It's a global market. Okay, that's just me being crazy. Now, the next one, I just, Brian Kilmeade, man. Brian Kilmeade, just say crazy, stupid things all the time. The next one is my favorite uh, bogus expert of the week because she drives me batty. I'm just going to play the clip. Joining us now with what needs to be done to keep our children safe is Fox News contributor and also a mother, Laura Trump. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning, Ainsley. Good Great morning. to be with you. Good to have you on. What do you think needs to be done in America's classrooms now? Oh, I mean, this is just such a horrific situation. Every time we find ourselves in the wake of one of these incidents, you know, people talk about a variety of different things. But, 
you know, we have to address at, at a certain point, Ainsley, the root of this problem. You didn't have this sort of thing happening decades ago, but we have changed as a society. And whether that is the family structure, whether it's the fact that we all spend so much more time on devices and actually interacting with one another, a mental health crisis that was exacerbated in so many ways by the pandemic, um, we have to get to obviously the bottom of why we continue to see these sort of incidents on the rise. But in the meantime, yes, we have to protect our kids. In the wake of things like 9-11, we saw so many steps taken to protect places like airports. Why is it any different for schools across America? Every child, whether in Uvalde or Chicago, should be able to go to school and know that they are safe there. That is an environment where they can do nothing other than learn. They don't have to worry about any of this. And while it's a sad commentary on where we are in our society right now, it, it is what needs to happen. And, you know, there are a variety of measures. You just played, you know, a couple sound bites of different ideas, whether it's a fence perimeter around schools, armed guards, metal detectors. There are a variety of ways that we could secure our schools. And if you look at the spending of our government, this is a drop in the bucket to secure schools across America would cost almost nothing. We left $85 billion worth of military equipment to the Taliban. We just sent $40 billion to Ukraine. It would cost a fraction of that to ensure that our schools are safe and secure. And you're right. Now, how many political things did she bring up in that one little brief clip? I mean, she's talking about Taliban, Afghanistan, she's talking about Ukraine, she's talking about all these other things. It's like, and again, what are you? You're the, you are the, uh, you used to work in tabloid television. You are the daughter-in-law to the former president. You have no policy experience. You've never worked for a government agency. You basically did these creepy PR videos. Oh my God, they're creepy. If you want to see some creepy videos, Google Laura Trump, Trump administration videos. They are super creepy. It's her like staring into the camera like, the news is really bad for Donald Trump, my father-in-law, and I'm going to tell you how wonderful all this news is, and Donald J. Trump is misunderstood. Everything is glorious. It's super, super creepy. I cannot, if you want to laugh, I, I made fun, I did a parody video of one of them, but I realized that like nobody knew what I was making fun of, so it didn't really work, and I scrapped it. But it was because it was like you had to be like next level nerd to even know that these Laura Trump, Laura Trump, sorry, Laura Trump videos existed. But they are be they're like they're like drugs. They're super creepy because she's just like staring into the camera like Donald J. Trump is beloved by the American people. It's just like super it's supposed to be like positive news about Trump and they're they're beyond insane. And Laura Trump made all of them. So those are the clips for the week. And then very briefly. Uh, stories not covered on Fox News was the sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, I thought maybe I missed this, so I searched for Southern and Baptist and all kinds of crazy stuff on the huge transcript that I make of the whole 15 hours. Did not find it. There was massive sexual abuse and a cover-up within the Southern Baptist Convention. Fox News did not mention it. That was a major story last week. Uh, Steve Kerr, this was twisted. So Steve Kerr, who's the coach of the Golden State Warriors gave an impassioned speech about gun control saying we need to do something and Fox talked about the game quoted a player saying that Steve Kerr was inspirational and did not show one second 
of his impassioned speech calling for gun control. That was just downright sinister. They showed him, muted it, and then just moved on. Um, the other thing that they missed, uh, the second anniversary of the George Floyd murder. Fox News briefly mentioned it, did not do a segment on it, didn't even do a 30-second segment during headline news. They just, it just barely mentioned. Um, the other major story was North Korea had a bunch of missile tests and North COVID-19 has finally hit North Korea and North Korea is not handling it well at all. They're just like trying to ignore it. Several countries have offered vaccines, offered help, and they won't take the help. So that's problematic. Um, and then by the numbers, basically I have uh, written down the topics were completely crazy. Of course, the number one topic was the school shooting, but PBS actually was much more comprehensive, even though they didn't cover it as much. Um, and they also had a great segment PBS did about the Trump endorsements and how they don't always work out for Trump. And they went into detail about Georgia. That was very interesting if you want to watch that on PBS NewsHour. Um, and basically, another thing that I wanted to talk briefly about is that, and this was just downright comical, and I would include it, but this is such a long podcast. It's the longest one I've ever done. Uh, Fox News sent Lawrence Jones to Uvalde to report on the shooting. And Lawrence Jones is 29. He's not really a journalist. He's a presenter. Uh, and he didn't know how to handle it at all. And so he kept saying, well, these poor cops, they're just misunderstood. And so he would basically be reporting from Uvalde trying to say, oh, these poor, these poor cops. I mean, they live here and they have kids in that school and they care. They care. And then all the people at Fox and Friends would be openly fighting with him because, like, it's pretty obvious to everybody that the cops completely dropped the ball here. But like Lawrence Jones, who's not really a journalist, didn't know how to handle this. And he was just completely being manipulated by a source. And it was just a nightmare to watch. It was just like, oh my goodness. And I talk about the Allie Bradley. That was the name of the independent journalist who did the segment on, um, on the shooter, which I just shook my head and got sick to my stomach and wanted to scream. And I did make a video about that. Thank you. If you watched it, it's gotten like over 500 views um, for next week, uh, by the numbers is also very interesting because, of course, AOC made the list. She always makes the list. <laughs> you can't have a week of Fox News without AOC making that list. So they always mention her no matter what. I'm going to be watching uh, Tucker Carlson this week because he gets me the most clips and I think he's the most relevant given he has the largest audience, even though I hate watching his show. Ha 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 ha. I seriously despise Tucker Carlson. He makes me physically ill. But I do think he's the most important person to cover on Fox News because of his insane influence and because of the um, sinisterness of the stuff that he's putting out there. It's just the absolute worst. He's absolutely despicable. Um, but I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you so you can battle with your... Um, friends, relatives, co-workers, spouses who love Fox News. And I will say this really quickly before we go. When you battle with them, it's better to be calm and rational. I'm going to try to do a whole show with a friend of mine who's a, who's a specialist in how to de-radicalize people. Um, that should be coming up soon. And we'll go through the techniques of how to deal with people who believe this craziness. So thank you so much for coming. Same time next week. It won't be a holiday. So that should be easier to get an audience. This week is going to be a little wonky. It's probably going to be split between Monday and Tuesday. 
And that's about it. Um, like I said, new stuff coming on YouTube, on the other platforms. Thank you so much, Odin and Thor. Thank you as well. The, the mascots of the show. <laughs>